Oh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, a little bit of inner Sandman to get us going here on this 40th edition of the E.T. Considers Everything podcast for Monday, February 3rd, 2020, a.k.a. Super Bowl Monday. And yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, I did have a little bit of a hangover this morning, but that's not to fear this afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, as I've been back at it ready to go, delivering you all the news across Highland Cavalier Athletics, across the Super Bowl, and getting set for the XFL inaugural weekend, which will be coming up this upcoming weekend. So lots to get to on this podcast today. So let's get rolling with it, ladies and gentlemen. First off, I want to say I want to thank uh, my good friend Logan Sturgill and two of my other good friends, um, Katie Kennedy and Gavin Kennedy, we had a wonderful lunch yesterday afternoon at Monterey's, and it was nice to catch back up with those three individuals. And it's very nice to get out and look at things at stores and shop around for a little bit and then go have a wonderful meal. Then I went on down to my good friend Joey Cantrell's house, and they had a wonderful Super Bowl party full of uh, playing cards and watching the big game and Great food and great drinks. It was a lot of fun down there. And I want to thank Joey for hosting, of course. He's been awesome. I want to thank Shane for bringing the uh, TV down yesterday afternoon. That was a big help. 32-inch TV to watch the game on. It was perfect for the garage. And just want to thank all the individuals that were there yesterday to enjoy the Super Bowl with. And it was a lot of fun. So... Definitely had a great Super Bowl experience yesterday with all of my friends and wanted to share that with y'all before we uh, get going with the podcast and my review of the Super Bowl 54 matchup between the NFC champion San Francisco 49ers who entered the game at 15-3 and and the AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs who entered the game at 14-4. and Very good contest between these two teams last night. There's really a game of trends. Kansas city got up early, uh, seven to nothing. And then San Francisco ended up scoring, uh, 13 unanswered points. And Kansas city got a field goal there late. And they made it 10, 10. And in the second half, it was really all San Francisco in the third quarter. They scored 10 points in the third quarter, make it 20 to 10. And in the fourth quarter, you're wondering if the Mahomes magic is going to show up one more time. Well, early on, it didn't look like it was going to be that way. It looked like it was going to be a uh, San Francisco rolling to an easy victory. Uh, Patrick Mahomes threw a second interception on the day, and it really changed the momentum of the ball game. With about 11 minutes to go, San Francisco was in full control. But here's my take on the 49ers. They got too greedy, in my opinion, and I'll tell you why that is. They wanted to try to throw the ball a lot more than what they had in their previous games. And at some point, I can understand why Kyle Shanahan wants to make that decision with uh, the weapons that he has, George Kittle, Ebo Samuel, Manuel Sanders, a lot of great wide receivers on that team, plus the running backs coming out of the backfield to receive the ball, like Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida. Um, But at the same time, to me, you have to go with what got you there. 
And to me, that has been Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert had over 200 rushing yards against my Green Bay Packers defense and really controlled the game from the start. Jimmy Garoppolo only had to throw the ball eight times in that game, and that really showed you what type of team they could be in that NFC Championship game. They could be a ground control and a running the ball type of team. And ultimately, they kind of shifted away from that last night and just wasn't a good move on their part. Kansas City would go on to score 21 unanswered points on the strength of a a Damian Williams touchdown, a Travis Kelsey touchdown, and then another Damian Williams touchdown to put the game out of reach, make it 31-20 to with a minute to play. And that was the final score line as the Kansas City Chiefs defeat the San Francisco 49ers 31-20 to to win their second Super Bowl championship, their first since Super Bowl IV back in 1970. So congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes was named MVP of the Super Bowl. 282 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, one rushing touchdown on the day. Really helped propel his team to victory. Uh, Damian Williams had a good argument for the MVP. He had over 100 yards rushing, nearly 50 receiving yards out of the backfield, one rushing, one receiving touchdown. So you really could have named him MVP as well. But I understand why they give the MVP to Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes is going to Disney World. So Kansas City Chiefs defeat the San Francisco 49ers in Super Bowl 54 by a final score of 31-20. to So there's my takeaways from the game. thought it was an excellent ball game to watch. It was a little bit slow at times, but it was a very fun ball game. It was a game of trends, like I said. San Francisco got up by 10. Kansas City had to claw their way back, and then Kansas City ends up winning by 11. This is the third straight playoff game that the Kansas City Chiefs were down by 10 points or more and end up winning by 10 points or more. That is an incredible stat line and really something that's going to be talked about here throughout the entire offseason. How impressive was this Kansas City Chiefs run being down by 10 points in each of their playoff games and end up winning them by 10 or more points. That is a, a remarkable stat line and one that I'll definitely remember here throughout the upcoming months as we approach the new NFL season when it gets back going in August with training camp. But congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. They are your Super Bowl 54 champions. And my hat goes out to Andy Reid and his entire coaching staff. There's no more deserving man as a head coach, in my opinion, that deserves a Super Bowl championship than Andy Reid. He has been on a journey as a head coach, 21 years in the league, uh, only made one Super Bowl before this one, made it as the Philadelphia Eagles head coach, Super Bowl 39 against the New England Patriots. They come up short in that game, 24-21 to 21 in Jacksonville. But Andy Reid avenges that, comes back down to Miami, and the Kansas City Chiefs defeat the San Francisco 49ers 31-20. Andy Reid gets his second Super Bowl championship. He had one as, as an assistant for the Green Bay Packers on their staff in 1996. And he wins one here with Kansas City for the 2019 season. 
So congratulations to Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and the Kansas City Chiefs as they capture the Super Bowl championship. This past weekend in Highland Cavalier Athletics, the UVA-wise women's and men's basketball teams were at home at the Pryor Center as they took on Catawba, and that was a very good ball game on the women's side and on the men's side as well. The women's side, the women just played absolutely fantastic. They had the most blocks in a game in the NCAA Division II era. That's since 2013-14 when they were a provisional member of the Mountain East Conference and then Division II. And just a great performance by the Cavaliers. 65-54, 14 block shots on the day. Come up two blocks short of breaking the NCAA record, which it stood since 1991 when Presbyterian had 16 blocks in a game when they were a member of Division II before making the jump to Division I. Nia Van Zant had 21 points in the game, seven rebounds on the day, and really contributed very strongly to the Cavaliers' effort. But not to be outshadowed, fellow freshman guard Caitlin Ross had a triple-double, only the second triple-double in NCAA Division II for the Cavaliers, Quick Gomez had one last year as she went 10-10-10 at Wheeling Jesuit. Caitlin Ross had 14 points, 12 rebounds, and 10 assists on Saturday afternoon, propelling the Cavaliers to a huge upset victory over the South Atlantic Conference leaders in Catawba, number 18 team in the country, 65-54. to On the men's side, it was a very good ball game between Catawba and UVA-wise. Briggs Paris led all scorers with 21 points. Cameron Whiteside, I believe, had 16 points. Um, Chance Sheffy had 11. And I believe Cameron Whiteside had 14. Um, a very good game between these two teams. It wasn't meant to be for the Cavs on this day, as Catawba would hit two free throws late with under 10 seconds to go. Cavaliers tried to get a shot off for three at the buzzer. It would not go. Catawba would go on to win this game 67-66. to So the Highland Cavalier men go to 1-13 in the conference, 5-15 overall. The women go to 10-10 overall, 6-8 in the South Atlantic Conference, sitting at number 7 in the South Atlantic Conference standings the top eight teams make the south atlantic conference tournament so if the season did end today the uva wise women's basketball team would be in the south atlantic conference tournament but still a lot of basketball to be played here as we have the entire month of february to look forward to the uva wise men's and women's basketball team will return to the court on wednesday night at the prior center as they take on the Tusculum Pioneers game time for the women is at 5.30. Game time for the men is at 7.30. And admission for those games is $5 at the gate. And if you just want to come out and support your Highland Cavaliers, come out and support us. It's, it's always a fun time in the Prior Center. The premier venue for sporting events inside the South Atlantic Conference, in my opinion, and inside Southwest Virginia. So going to be a fun uh, Wednesday night to come for the Cavaliers against the Pioneers, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that game 
how those games will shape up. As for softball, they started their season yesterday afternoon and earned a doubleheader sweep over the uh, Virginia State team. They defeat them 11-3 to in Game 1, and then they win Game 2 by a final score of 12 to nothing. So they start the year 2-0, and and they come back home to the uh, lovely town of Wise before they get going to uh, their next road trip, and that'll be coming up here in a couple weeks. So looking forward to seeing how the softball team will do inside the South Atlantic Conference as conference play will begin here in about three weeks. And the men's baseball team opened up their season yesterday afternoon as well. They pick up a nine-inning victory over Payne College by a final score of 7-4. to four. At the time of this recording, game two of the doubleheader, a seven-inning in each game, uh, going on and in game one the Cavaliers would go up just short Payne College would defeat UVA wise by a final score of six to three in game two in the second inning it was three to three last update I had I'll keep an eye on that as the game progresses but a lot of great spring sports action to come uh, in southwest Virginia here in wise at UVA wise and for the Highland Cavaliers, looking forward to seeing how they will do inside South Atlantic Conference play as well. So a lot of fun to come here before the UVA Wise men's baseball team and the women's softball team as well. And spring tennis and spring golf will be getting underway here in a couple weeks as well. So looking forward to seeing how those teams will do and how the players will do individually as well. A lot of fun to keep up with there. So there's you look back at Highland Cavalier Athletics this weekend and what took place for the men's and women's basketball teams along with the baseball and softball teams. And what's to come Wednesday night will be a men's and women's basketball doubleheader, 5.30 for the women, 7.30 for the men inside the Pryor Center. Come on out. for both games. It's a steal of a deal and definitely make the most of the opportunity coming out to watch the Highland Cavaliers play inside, like I said, what I believe is the premier venue in Southwest Virginia. And that is the David J. Pryor Convocation Center. So as you look back at Highland Cavalier athletics for uh, this past weekend and what's to come this week, should be a lot of fun. And coming up this next weekend will be the inaugural season for the new XFL. Of course, the XFL was a brainchild of WWE promoter Vince McMahon. But this time it's more organized. He's got uh, Oliver Luck as the commissioner. Got multiple television networks going to be broadcasting games. And should be a lot of fun to see. How many people will go out to all these games to support the XFL? Should be a lot of fun to see how these teams will react to playing one another in the competitive nature. You've got four teams in the Eastern Division, four teams in the Western Division, and two teams from each will be making the XFL playoffs. And the two conference champions will meet up 
in the XFL's version of the championship game. And the winner of that will be the XFL champion for the 2020 season. Now, of course, the American Alliance of Football did not last their entire season last year. I hope the XFL has more success and they will last the entirety of the season. We'll just have to wait and see how everything will go logistically for all these clubs here in 2020. The inaugural game of the new XFL will be between the Seattle Dragons and the D.C. Defenders. And it should be a lot of fun. That game will be Saturday afternoon, February the 8th. Yes, February the 8th. And that'll be at 2 p.m. And that'll be on Fox. So it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. So there's your look at the new XFL and all the teams listed. It's the Seattle Dragons, the Los Angeles Wildcats, the Dallas Renegades, the St. Louis Battlehawks, I believe, the New York Guardians, the Tampa Bay Vipers, the DC Defenders. So should be very interesting to see how both the East and the West play out to give us the top two teams from each division. And those two, two, two teams will make the East and West championship games before they meet up in the inaugural XFL championship game for this version of the XFL. So definitely going to be interesting to see what takes place there. Uh, the first game of the XFL is very interesting because you got the former head coach of the Washington Redskins and Seattle Seahawks great Jim Zorn coaching the uh, Seattle Dragons as they go to Washington, D.C. and Audi Field to take on Pep Hamilton and the D.C. Defenders. Should be a very good game there. And there's three other games that's going to be taking place this weekend as well. So... Definitely looking forward to that as well. So there's you look at the new XFL. Uh, since the last time I recorded a podcast, the Royal Rumble event took place. And I must say I was very pleased with the results of the men's Royal Rumble match. Now, as far as the women's Royal Rumble match, you can't always get what you want. But it was a good one as well. I enjoyed watching each of those and then all the matches leading up to both of those. The winner of the Women's Royal Rumble was none other than Charlotte Flair. And the winner of the Men's Royal Rumble, and a surprise really to a lot of people, was Drew McIntyre. He was my pick all along. I was really hoping that there's a lot of backstory here. Uh, that Daniel Bryan would be involved in the Royal Rumble and that he would win it. But alas, he wasn't in it. So I went with my second pick, and that was Drew McIntyre. And he ended up he ended up winning. And I was so happy that night. I cried tears of joy for him. There's no man that deserves to win the Royal Rumble and have an opportunity to face the WWE champion Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania than Drew McIntyre. That's just my opinion, and I'll stand by that. Now, as far as the Women's Royal Rumble winner, Charlotte Flair, not really sure who she's going to take on for her championship. My guess is that she will challenge for the SmackDown Women's Championship, and she'll take on Bayley and try to be the face in that program. And uh, 
I don't know how that will go, but it should be a very interesting matchup between a heel Bailey and potentially a face Charlotte Flair. In other matchups at the Royal Rumble, the Fiend Bray Wyatt defeated Daniel Bryan to retain the WWE Universal Championship in a strap match. It's a very good match. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, there was no red light in this match, thank the good Lord. And you could just see the two competitors just going back and forth with each other. And just the respect that's there between Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt, you can see that Bray really enjoys working with Daniel. And that is really cool. And uh, that was a very good match. And I look forward to seeing who they will put up against Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship at WrestleMania. For the SmackDown Women's Championship, it was the champion Bailey defending against the challenger Lacey Evans. Bailey defeated Lacey Evans to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship after Lacey Evans went up for a springboard moonsault, which she missed, and Bailey countered into a schoolgirl school to pick up the victory. So, congratulations to Bailey. She retains her Women's Championship. SmackDown Women's Championship. For the Raw Women's Championship, it was the champion Becky Lynch challenge, uh, going up against the uh, one half of the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Asuka. And this was a very spirited affair between two of the very best in the women's division. There's no doubt in my mind that Asuka... When she is given the green light to go, she brings out the very best in every single competitor. And that's what I love to see. You don't see that out of a lot of the competitors anymore, but you definitely see it out of Asuka. You know that she was ready and willing to give Becky Lynch the spotlight and uh, put Becky over in a very reasonable and a good matchup. And... I just thought that it was a fitting one-year cycle because Asuka defeated Becky Lynch to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship last year. Then Becky Lynch comes back this year, defeats Asuka to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship. So a lot can change in the course of a year. We learned that from Asuka. We learned that from Becky Lynch in this storyline, and it was very well done and portrayed by these two. The opening match of the Royal Rumble event was a false count anywhere match between the big dog Roman Reigns and King Baron Corbin. And this was a fantastic matchup. Really went back and forth the whole way. The Usos, along with Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler, would get involved. And Jay Uso would jump from the scaffolding of the uh, Houston uh, Minute Maid Park down to the ground and take out um, not only um, Robert Brood and Dolph Ziggler, but take out his own tag team partner and his brother, Jimmy Uso, as well. After that took place, uh, Roman and Baron continued to trade blows with one another. Roman threw um, Baron Corbin into a porta potty and I was really hoping that something would take place there, but nobody had used that part of porta potty. So, uh, Baron Corbin wasn't in blue goo or anything like that. But 
like I said, it was a very entertaining match. And Roman Reigns would pick up the victory after hitting a spear on top of the dugout. And I believe it was the home dugout of the Houston Astros. And he defeats Baron Corbin in a highly spirited Falls Count Anywhere match. Great match to kick off the show. Set the tone for the entire show. And it really um, not only put over Roman Reigns with the big victory, but I really, I really believe it showed a lot on Baron Corbin here as well. You know, he's one of the most underrated performers on the WWE roster, and whether you like his character or not, that's besides the point. The man can wrestle and go with anybody in the company, and that's a very strong thing to have, not only with a great face, but with a great heel. Baron Corbin is a great heel, and you can really build something around him, and that's what they're doing with this whole King's Court thing got Baron Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, and Robert Roode. Very good trio of competitors that can go with anyone. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they book Baron Corbin moving forward here as we approach the Saudi Arabia show, which will be taking place on February the 27th. That's on a Thursday. And, uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun, no doubt about it. So there's you a recap of the 2020 Royal Rumble event from not this past Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, but from last weekend. And that was a great thing to um, keep us going between the conference championship week and the Super Bowl. Royal Rumble being in the middle, always a great option to check out. And definitely looking forward to seeing how the WrestleMania card will fill out. As soon as they announce more matches, I'll announce on here what's going to be taking place there as well. So, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and end the podcast here. Covered a lot today. Cowan Cavalier Athletics from this past weekend, previewing their games on Wednesday against Tusculum. Also, took a look back at Super Bowl 54 and gave you my thoughts on the game and recap the 2020 Royal Rumble event with my thoughts on Drew McIntyre and Charlotte Flair being the winners of the respected Royal Rumble matches. So ladies and gentlemen, this has been the 40th edition of the ET Considers Everything podcast. And if you listen to Inner Sandman like me, it gets you pumped up. And from now on, I believe I'm going to be using that as my, um, my inaugural theme here for the ET Considers Everything podcast. So definitely listen to that and check out all the wonderful music that I've got here from my Spotify account. And you can listen to this podcast on Anchor, Google Play, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast at, you can listen to them there. I'll send out the link to Facebook as soon as I finish recording and uploading this on Anchor. And we'll have it there ready to go for you and to listen as soon as it's all ready to go and done here on Anchor. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, my name is E.T. Eric Tyler Mullins. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your Monday, and I'll catch you next time. Have a good day, everybody. E.T. is out. <laughs>